turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be there in a few minutes. It's going to be a while before we get there, if we even get there. Um, uh, we started, we started uh, page 180, uh, 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 chapter number 9 in our books. Uh, so if you want to turn to page 180, um, <clears throat> we started the chapter on the local church. Um, and I, I want to start by asking a, a question. Um, does anybody know what the, the word eschatology means? <laughs> yeah. <It's you. laughs> no. Good guess, though. Good guess. Eschatology. Any? Uh, okay. It is. It is the. Can anybody tell me the Greek word for church? Iglesia. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so eschatology is what? Study of the church. Okay, it, it comes from two Greek words, um, the assembly or the ecclesia, and or, or ecclesia. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, um, ecclesia. Uh, and uh, the the other word is the word. So it's the study of the the local church. So <clears throat> one thing that's interesting about the church or the the ecclesia is. You, you don't see the church in the Old Testament. I'm sorry? Not till, not till the book of Acts, actually. So, <clears throat> so I, I'm not going to get into this argument because I think it's a, it's, a, it's a worthless argument. But when did the church start? At the birth of Christ? Or the book of Acts? See, Christ is the head of the church, but you don't see the church until the book of Acts. So that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those theological arguments that theologians like to argue about, but it really doesn't matter when it started. Um, people, I, I've even heard the, the argument, well, the church started when Christ started his ministry. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, it doesn't matter. And I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because whenever you get into theology, different forms of theology, um, you get theologians that like to argue about stuff. Yeah. You know, and my point is this. Let's just stick to the Bible. OK, it, it really doesn't matter when the church started. The fact is it started and it is a New Testament phenomenon. Um the church is the assembly of believers who belong to God. Okay? Uh, the, uh, uh, ecclesiology uh, is crucial to understanding God's purpose for believers in the world today. Um, if we get eschatology wrong theologically, uh, uh, yeah, ecclesiology, yeah, Eschatology is the study of uh, end times. So, if we get ecclesiology wrong, why is why is the uh, <clears throat> the 
the study of ecclesiology or the study of the local church. Why is it so important? Anybody got a got a clue? Okay, for one thing, it tells us how we as a church should operate. Okay, that that's huge. And he died. He died for the church, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about all that. Um, but but there's a really really practical reason, and that, and and this is the reason, because some theologians like to plug the New Testament church into Old Testament theology, and it doesn't work. And every time you do that, you end up with what? Okay, contradiction and false doctrine. Okay? I, I don't know if that's what they call it. <laughs> it may be, I don't know. Um, but you cannot mix the Old Testament tabernacle or, and, and temple and the worship system in the Old Testament and the New Testament church. The two are two totally different things. So it's important we get it right. So what is the church? What is the New Testament church? I came across this definition, and I, I thought I'd share it with you because I felt like um, this, this individual explains it really, really well. So listen uh, to, the, to the what is a New Testament church. Many people today understand the church as a building that is not biblical understanding of the church. The church... The word, excuse me, the word church is translated uh, from the Greek word ekklesia, which is defined an assembly or a called out ones. The root meaning of church is not that a building, excuse me, not that of a building, but of a people. Okay? So, uh, it is ironic that when people ask someone where they attend church, they identify a building. But the church is not a building. In, in Romans chapter 16, uh, verse 5, it says, uh, Likewise, uh, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my uh, well-beloved uh, Epaphroditus who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. And Paul here refers to the church in someone's house, not a building, <clears throat> but a body of believers. So what? look around. Look around and, and see how many people you can identify. Okay? That is Grace Baptist Church. Not this building. And we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a country, in a world today that, see, how can I say this? We have become so spoiled with our buildings and our properties and all the things that we call church that we forget that church is people. And it's not a building. And we would, we should be, as Grace Baptist Church, we should be 
just as happy sitting out under a tree somewhere holding the service as we are inside this building. In some ways, we might even be better off. But the church, Iglesia, is not a building. Or Ecclesia. What did I keep that? Anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, I, candy messed me up. <laughs> that was, that's one of the few Spanish words I, I remember, you know. Um, uh, but so, so that is what it, a church is people, not buildings. So it's, it's important we understand that. So what then is the purpose of the church? The, I'm sorry? Okay. Uh, that is definitely part of it. Okay, I've got a list of things here I want to read through, and then we can talk about this list, okay? Um, <clears throat> uh, the very first thing, responsibility or purpose of the local church is to evangelize the world. That, that, that's the first thing. Matthew, uh, if you're right, if you're keeping notes and I go too fast here, catch me later and I'll give you, I'll give you all these references. Uh, evangelizing the world is our first responsibility. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse eight, uh, 18 to 20. And those, and that's just the beginning. Okay? <clears throat> so evangelizing the world. The second thing is what you said, edifying uh, or teaching biblical doctrine, edifying the brethren. What we're doing tonight, we're teaching, we're, we're hopefully edifying each other so that we can what? Grow in the faith. Teaching doctrine is important. <clears throat> Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 42. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 to 26. And James chapter 1, verse 27 just to name a few. <laughs> okay? Now, you, everybody's writing all this down, right? <laughs> okay, the next thing, the next thing that we are supposed to do is glorify God. Glorify God. And, and I have multiple ways to do that. The first one is through praise. Acts chapter 2. Verse 47 is what we just did, exactly. In prayer, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. In worship, John chapter 4, verse 32. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Uh, Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 to 12. Again, just to name a few. Praise, prayer, worship. And giving. No, that would be that would be four. Giving. Philippians chapter four, verse eighteen, Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse six. And again, that's just a couple. Giving. Why do we give? Do we give so that we can have buildings? No. We give because it is a way for us to worship God. Well, and 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 it's obedience. <clears throat> but when giving is done right, 
it's done with a worshipful heart. The next way we glorify God is through loving. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. And, and there are many, many more we could use. Living for Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 to, uh, and 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Living for Christ is a way to glorify God. When we live right, when we live by the Spirit, it brings glory to God. The next thing, so we are to evangelize the world, edify, edification of believers, glorify God. Number four, providing a place of fellowship for believers. One of the, one of the burdens that I had since, since we started Grace Baptist Church is fellowship is so important. So important. I prayed for, for, for 12 years for a place where we could have fellowship. And I don't know if, you've, if you come on Sunday morning, I don't know if you've noticed this, but before the service, the atmosphere that's out in the foyer, it is changing our church. Now you newcomers to the church, you, I mean, this is what, you, what you've already experienced, but for years we had nowhere to do that. And it is such a welcoming thing, at least it is for me, to walk in and see people standing around just talking and getting to know each other. Church is a place where that's supposed to happen. And then, fifthly, the purpose of the church is to observe the two ordinances of the local church. Anybody know what those ordinances are? There you go. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Okay, those are the two ordinances. So <clears throat> I wanted to talk about these two ordinances for just a minute because we're going to get into them deeper as we get in this chapter. But I want to just kind of skim them very quickly so you understand. What is the importance of a Christian baptism? According to the Bible, Christian baptism uh, is simply a step of obedience. It is a declaration of or a proclamation, if you would, by the individual of what has taken place in their heart. Okay? Now, I want to say this, and, 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 <clears throat> and I want to be careful here because I, 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 don't, I, I have no desire to criticize any, any religion or faith. That, that's not my point here. But baptism is something that takes place after we're saved. Okay, the reason why it has to take place after we're saved is because it is a picture of what's taking place in our hearts. When we go down into the water, one of the reasons, let me say this, okay, this is a Baptist church, um, <laughs> but Baptist churches, the, the name Baptist has nothing to do with the way we baptize. Okay, just saying. Well, I guess it does kind of in a way. Um, the, the name Baptist came from originally a group back in the the 1700s, I want to, 1600s, 1700s, and they were called Anabaptist. 
Okay, and then somewhere, I want to say in the early 19th century, if my memory serves me correct, they they just dropped the Anna part and became Baptist. But it had nothing to do with the fact that they baptized by immersion more than the fact that they were against the Catholic baptism. They were Anabaptist. Okay, so so please understand that. But... The, the reason we, and we believe it's scriptural, we, we immerse is because it, it shows the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Okay, but it also shows what has taken place in our hearts, and that is that we die to our old selves to walk, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. So it's a it is a picture of what has taken place in our lives, <clears throat> and that can only happen after we're saved. Okay, I've had people come to our church who have gotten saved and were baptized in in a Baptist church when they were six years old or whatever, <clears throat> and but they didn't get saved until after they started coming here, and they say, "Well, do I have to get baptized again?" And my reply is, "Well, what do you think?" I explain it to them. And they say, I, "I more than I'll be more than happy to get baptized again." Why? Because the last time they did it, all they did was get wet. It didn't mean anything. So, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so, uh, it is evidence of salvation that takes place in a person's heart. What is the Lord's Supper? The the Lord's Supper is an important time in the life of a believer to do some self-reflecting, but also to do some... I'm just totally losing the word here. Um, uh, Remembering what Christ did for you. <clears throat> exactly. It, it, is do this as often as you, it, it, anyway. Yes. Do yes. Right. Okay. But I read I read this recently, and I wanted to I wanted to share this because I, I had never quite seen it put this way, and I thought, wow, that's that's really cool. Um, but the author said this: it is an acting out sermon, remembering the Lord's death and resurrection and looking to the future for his return in glory. That's what, that's what the, the, the Lord's Supper communion is about. Remembering what he has done and looking forward to what he's going to do. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, I read that and was like, wow, that, that is, that is really, that's really good. Um, so in summary, I want to kind of wind this up. We our Grace Baptist Church, not this building. We are, or I should say this, Grace Baptist Church happens to meet in this building. But we would still be Grace Baptist Church if we were in one of your homes or under a tree out in the middle of the desert. Well, wait a second, that didn't make sense. There are no trees in the desert. <laughs> and the word Baptist is a it is a distinctive word, okay? Um, 
I, 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 like, to, I like to put it this way, and we're going to talk about, as this, this study unfolds, we're going to talk about what, what, what we call Baptist distinctives. What, what is distinctive about being a Baptist? Okay, we're going to talk about that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I want to say this. When I share Christ with someone, my goal in no way, shape, or form is to, is to convert someone to being a Baptist. My goal in sharing Christ is to try and introduce them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? I'm Baptist because of conviction, because of what I believe the Bible teaches. That's why I'm a Baptist. But I am a Christian, hopefully a Christian, way before I'm a Baptist. Does that make sense? Now, again, I want to say this. I believe that if we stick to the the Scriptures then we'll be Baptistic in our doctrine. But I'm a Christian, hopefully, way before I'm a Baptist. Because my relationship with Jesus Christ is far more important than the title on the name of the church. According to the Bible, the church is the body of Christ. All those who have placed their faith and trust for salvation in Jesus Christ. John chapter 3, verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Local churches are nothing more than a gathering place for God's people. That's what a local church is. Sadly, many churches today they have become so consumed with their buildings and their material possessions that they get so trapped. I, 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 I sat in I sat in a in a um, conference one time for pastors back I don't know two three four years ago. I've lost track, probably close to four years ago. And the pastor said this in the in the in this session that we were in, and it was he was talking about <clears throat> um, maintaining uh, growth within within his church. And he made this statement. He said this. He said for for our church to stay where it's at financially and numerically they have to bring in 1200 people a year this is obviously this is a big church and he says in order for us to pay our bills and to maintain this is he's not talking about growing just maintaining 
they have to bring in at least 1,200 people a year into their church. Think about that. That, that, that to me is a staggering, staggering figure. And again, that's not growing. That's just maintaining. And I sat there and I thought, God, I don't, I don't ever want to have to think about Grace Baptist Church in those terms. You just give us who you want us to minister and we'll minister. I don't, I don't want to have to think of ways that I have to go out and get people into my church so that I can pay my bills. That's, that's not church anymore. It's a business. Now, the, the man who said this, I, I consider a friend of mine. And I, I, I can honestly say, and I could be wrong, I can honestly say, I don't think he looks at it as a business, but he was just being very practical. Does that make sense? But it was a scary awakening for me to, to think of it in, in, in that way. Because all of a sudden, it can be about numbers instead of people. Because ultimately, the church is about people and not buildings. And we need to be really, really careful. The other day I was, I was thinking about it. We have this 10 acres out on Farm District Road. And for years I prayed that God would give us $3 million so that we could build a building on this property. Because that's what it's going to take, three plus million to, to, to build our first building out there. <clears throat> and I, 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 I prayed for years that God would give us that money somehow. And the other day, I, was, you know, I said, you know what, Lord? I am so glad that we don't have a building on that property yet. Because it's not about the buildings. It's about people. And when you get and you, when you you get into that environment, you can lose that focus. And I don't ever want to lose that focus here. I don't ever want to lose that focus. The local church is where believers can fully apply the principles set forth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It, hopefully, uh, you're you're there. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> Let's start reading uh, in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, 1 Corinthians Yeah, chapter 12, verse 12. Am I in the wrong place? Okay. No, 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, 
so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are, uh, uh, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink in, into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore, or excuse me, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where the hearing, where, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it please him. Now I want you to underline those last five words of verse 18. As it pleased him. I like that. As it pleased him. Who made your body? God did. God put it all together the way he wanted it. The way it pleased him. Who puts together Grace Baptist Church? He does. And it is not by chance that you're here and a part of this fellowship. It's, a, it's his grand, grand design. Verse 19, And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they, uh, are they many members, yet but one body? I, I would like to know how many actual individual parts there are to the body. I don't know that you can count them. You know, we have certain number of bones and 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 uh, uh, organs and different things, but in each bone, is there not countless numbers of little things that make up bones? I don't think we can count that high. But we're one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. Nay, how much more uh, those members of the body which seem to be uh, more feeble are necessary. Now let's stop here for a second. This, I read this and for the first time it, something jumped out at me. What do you think that word, there, there are, there's one word, uh, well, actually three words that just jumped off the page at me. Seem to be. Are, so if something seems to be one way, is it necessarily that way? No. Let's read it again. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be 
more feeble are absolutely, the word are there, you can actually put the word absolutely right there. They are absolutely needful. They may seem not to be useful, but they are absolutely useful. How many of you, when you were little, uh, us that are probably 40 and older, <clears throat> every kid got his tonsils ripped out? Okay? <laughs> yeah, okay? You, you, you know what they figured out? Oh, boy, we probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> now they don't take them out until kids absolutely need to. But but when I was a kid, you got a you got a cold, oh, man, let's rip the tonsils out. I mean, you know, the only thing I remember is I got to eat ice cream for two days. I. But you know what? We we may we may see it may seem unnecessary a part of our body. But God says it's absolutely necessary. And there may be people in our church sitting here right now that may say to themselves, I am not a necessary part of this church. Then I've got news for you that you are you are absolutely necessary. Every person at Grace Baptist Church is absolutely necessary. Let's continue reading. And those members of the body, which we think, underline those three words, which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncommonly parts have more abundant comeliness. Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Verse 24. For our comely parts have no need. But God had tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh. Verse 25. That there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. There is not a part of your body that is more important or less important than any other part. Your body is equally as important as every other part of your body. It is our skewed thinking that changes that. Verse 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, I remember one time, this is back, this is back right after we got married. I was working in a cabinet shop and I was, I was doing some work 
and <clears throat> this is before nail guns, okay? I actually had to use a hammer and a nail. Okay, you y'all know what those are? Okay. Um, and uh, I was I was I, I had to put a nail in and it had to be in a certain spot. And and it, it, I was building a I was building a big platform, but it, it'd be too long for me to explain. But I had to put a nail in a certain spot where two boards came across. And I had I had notched the boards and I had fit them together. And I had to drive a 16-penny nail in, and it had to be in that spot. And I got it through the, the top board, <clears throat> but unbeknownst to me, there was a knot right exactly where it didn't need to be. So I, I got the nail, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm tapping it in, and it bent. The, the nail bent. So I pulled the nail and did another one. And I, I'm talking... 15 or 20 nails. And it, at the same place, and again, I didn't realize there was a knot down there holding it up. And I'm like, what in the world? So I got so mad, I <clears throat> lost my temper. I'm holding the nail, and I have a big, y'all know what a framing hammer is? It's got the big waffle uh, uh, meat tenderizer on the end. Well, I got so mad. I'm holding this nail. I'm like, wham! Well, I hit a nail. (laughs) My whole body, my entire body reacted. I literally went blind and I passed out. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> okay. When one part hurts the the entire every time I read that passage I think of hitting my my thumb and I mean it, it was I I don't know how how long I was out but I was out for a little while. I came when I came to my thumb was throbbing so bad. <clears throat> you remember that? Do you, do you remember the hammer? Um Yeah, it's been a long time ago. Anyway, I, I, I went home. My thumb was hurting so bad. I took an X-Acto knife and I drilled a hole in my thumbnail and the blood went like that. And there was so much blood it built up. I had to do that like a half dozen times before it all drained out. And I finally went, oh, because it affected my entire body. So needless to say, don't ever do that. Yes, don't ever do that with a. Don't ever lose your temper while holding a framing hammer. Yes. Look at verse 27. <clears throat> now ye are the body of Christ. Verse verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And I, I, I've read this for years, and I thought, well, I wonder what that means. And that literally, what that means that we are the we are the body of Christ, members, specific members of the body of Christ. We are specific members of the body of Christ. That that to me is staggering. That God would look at me that way. Verse 28, and God 
has set some in the church, first apostles, uh, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that miracle, uh, after that miracles, then gifts of, of healing, helps government, uh, diverse, thank you for diversities of tongue, tongues. Are all apostles, question mark, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, having all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? I love verse 31. But covet, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And I, I spent some time trying to figure out what the best gifts are. Close. Okay? I, 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 as many commentators that I read on this one verse, I, is that, that's how many opinions I got. Okay, okay, okay. I, 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 the, the truth, the conclusion I came up with is we're not totally sure. We think we know. But the greatest of these, okay, turn over. We're in 1 Corinthians. Turn over to chapter 13. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's the, yeah, it's right there. Um, chapter 13, uh, verse 13. Now abide, uh, now abideth, abideth faith, hope, charity, uh, of uh, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity. So was Paul in chapter 12 here referring to love? Most theologians I, I read believe that that's what he was talking about. But I read one of the, one of the commentators that I read brought up what I think is a really good point. Is not the greatest gift the gift that God has specifically given to you? Now, we all should love, should we not? But that's not a gift. Shouldn't, shouldn't we pursue who God made us to be? Is that not the greatest gift that we have? Because we, we have, and, and the other thing is, the word is plural. It's gifts. Not gift. And God has endowed each of us with different talents and abilities, gifts that each of us can 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 bring, if you would, bring to the table, if you would, to the local church to help the local church be what Christ wants it to be. Yeah. 
early that no gift is better than another. We all have a gift to give. Right. And that is the gift. I believe that is the gift that is the best gift for me. There you go. That makes us each different. And that is the gifts that we are to pursue. I should not want to be like anybody else. I should want to be me. I should want to be who God made me to be. And when I was when I when I was in college, <clears throat> I was encouraged to preach more fervently, uh, more. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, not theatrically, but charismatic. charismatic. That's the word. The word that, that I, I was criticized because. <clears throat> You know, I, w- I had to take some preaching classes, and, and one of the things that you do is you, you critique, hopefully not criticize, but you're supposed to critique each other. And one of the criticisms or the critiques that I got often from some of the other students was that I needed to be more charismatic. And, and the problem with that is that's not who I am. Exactly. And and I have tried. I have tried in the past to be more charismatic. And I walk away feeling like, okay, I just did that in the flesh. That was not of God. And <clears throat> I've had people come here to church that have never had that that never stayed because they like a more charismatic pastor. You know what? That's fine. But that's not me. I, I am who I am. And, and I'm okay with that. And partially because of this verse right here, I pursue who God made me to be. Just like you need to pursue who God made you to be. Because go back to <clears throat> um, uh, verse 18. Now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it what? pleased him as it pleaseth him God made us all special and God made us all unique and that is I believe that is the gift that Paul's talking about here that we need to pursue so having said all that we are almost out of time well let's get to the book we'll get a little bit of way into the book unless we have any questions Questions or comments? Rick? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and that's fine. You know, uh, you know there are there are people, uh, and I'll be I'll just be honest. Um, yeah. 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 More fly. Um, there are a lot of churches that I, that I know that I know of that would never consider me for being a pastor because I'm just so kind of laid back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but and 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 it does. It uh, at least it does to me. Um, but one of the things, and again, I'm just being transparent here. 
One of the things that I felt like when God was was moving in my heart about being a pastor, um, every church that I had gone to, I had very charismatic pastors, very genuine, but you know they they had a presence about them that was they were just more charismatic than I am, and <clears throat> I pushed back when God started dealing in my heart about being a pastor because I knew me. And I thought, I, I'm, I could never be like these men. But God finally got it through my thick head. I want you to be you. I don't want you to be a fill-in-the-blank. I want you to be you. And it was a process for me. <clears throat> What, what what was that? Do I want to know? Okay, okay. So, any any other questions? Yes. I try. I try really hard. Stay in the book. Stay in the book. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm the last person in the world to tell someone else what to do. <laughs> I barely get through life on my own. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> oh, Okay, let's go ahead and spend a couple minutes on the book here, and then we'll be dismissed. Um, uh, lesson, num- le- lesson number nine, uh, the church is precious. Um Rick, you want to look up Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25? <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself for it. <clears throat> and to be a part of a local church, ecclesia, ecclesia, if you would, Candy. <laughs> It is a precious thing to think that I get to be a part of something that Christ died for. Rick, go ahead and read it. Gave himself for it. What a what a what an incredible thing. Let's continue reading. Although church attendance does not save us or get us to heaven, the church is is very important to God and is a vital aspect of Christian growth. How many of you have ever heard somebody said, or you might have even said, well, well, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I, 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 hear, I, I hear it all the time. All the time. And it's true, and, you? Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say, I, 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 love the, I love the guys, and, I, and I'll, I'll usually, if I feel like I can get away with it, you know, I, you know, they'll say, "Well, I can, I can go out in the lake fishing and worship God, and I, or I can go out in the desert and worship God." And I say, "Okay, do you? Do you go out in the desert and worship God, or do you just go out in the desert and play around?" You, you know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> yes, we can worship God, but the the God knew that we would need each other, 
And that's why we have the local church. So we'll we'll um, uh, well we can go a little bit more. Let's uh, somebody want to uh, look up Matthew chapter four verse eighteen to twenty two. Who wants to look that up? Okay, Melanie. Uh, okay, <clears throat> your first blank here. Uh, Christ called out the church. Um, uh, the trace uh, to trace the beginning of the church, we need only to revisit the early moments of the ministry of Christ. For the church began with Jesus. Ah, see there, there you go. He he believes the church started with Jesus, uh, and we see the first assembly forming as Jesus called his disciples in Matthew chapter 4. Go ahead. When Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed. Okay. <clears throat> the next blank here. Uh, who, who, who wants to look up Acts uh, 20, 28? Oh, Larry? Larry doing that? She just threw you under the bus. <laughs> Okay, okay, uh, next point. Christ purchased the church. Uh, no church belongs to a pastor or a person. Let, let me say that again, and hopefully everybody in the room will say amen to that, okay? No church belongs to a pastor or a person. Amen. Okay. Uh, we may talk about my church uh, in the same sense that we are a member of it, but the church belongs to Christ. Please let me reemphasize that. When I when I t- when I am out talking in town and I invite somebody to my church, I am not referring to it as my church as because I'm the pastor. It is my church because I'm a member of this church, just like everybody else is. This is not my church; it's Christ. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, Acts twenty twenty eight. What? Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Who wants to read that? All right, I'll pick on Rick again. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Um, Christ commissioned the church. Uh, Before ascending to heaven, Christ gave significant instructions to the church to reach the world with the gospel. Go ahead, Rick. No, 28, Matthew 28. It's the Great Commission. It's the... <laughs> K. 
Okay, who wants, while he, while Rick's looking that up, who wants to do Colossians 1.18? All right, Melanie, I'll let you read that one. I got it. Oh, okay, Jim's got it, okay. All right, go ahead, Rick. 19 and Amen. Okay. Uh, Christ is to have preeminence in the church. Although the church meets <clears throat> many needs in a Christian's life, uh, and we'll talk about that later, uh, the church does not exist for us. Ultimately, it exists to glorify Christ. He is to have first place. Go ahead, Jim. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning there you go. Okay, and let's finish reading this and we'll be done. Uh, the church isn't man's idea, and it isn't an optional part of, of the Christian life. When a Christian says that they, are, uh, that they can worship God independently of the local church, they are uh, disregarding God's love for uh, and emphasis on the church when they love and commit to the local church they are showing their love and commitment for that which is precious to Christ so the local church is important now having said all that before we dismiss here is there such thing as a perfect church I wish there was. I was going to say, as long as there's the humans involved, there'll never be a perfect church. But we can have a godly church. If we all understand our part and we do our part. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, what a precious, precious study it is to be able to study about something that is so precious to you and that we get to be a, such a wonderful part. Lord, we are so thankful and grateful for all you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.